Tea or Coffee, a film podcast with Thomas and Joe, with theme music by bensound.org. See description for more information. What's up, and welcome back to the Tea or Coffee podcast, where we talk movies, films, and related media. My name is Thomas, and today I'll be doing this podcast alone. Normally I'll be joined by Joe, but he's not available, so I'm hijacking this podcast to talk about Doctor Who, particularly last year's Christmas special, The Return of Doctor Mysterio. Uh, to give an overview, uh, this is a plot synopsis. This Christmas sees the Doctor join forces with a massive superhero for an epic New York adventure. With brain-swapping aliens poised to attack, the Doctor and Noddle team up with an investigative reporter and a mysterious figure known only as the Ghost. Can the Doctor save Manhattan and what will be revealed when we see behind the mask? Uh, it stars Peter Capaldi, Matt Lucas, Justin Chatwin, Charity Wakefield, Tomiwa Edun and Alexander Yovanik and Logan Huffman. I've probably butchered those names and my apologies to them. Right. This to give my overview thoughts. I thought this episode was very uh, traditional superhero episodes, very much like uh, the original Superman film. Is obviously uh, Stephen Moffat has cited uh, this original film as being as huge inspiration for him, and that's really much comes across. And it. it has a reporter whose initials are LL. It has a superhero who can fly, who can see X-ray, has X-ray vision, who can has super strength. Uh, it has sort of uh, a love triangle between the supporter of the superhero and his alter ego and uh, it deals with a evil corrupt business which I suppose is very much sort of the Lex Luthor of its uh, of the story. I think the leader of that is Mr Sim. It also has sort of a planet, uh, a building with a planet on the roof where most of the action takes place and then there's also a romantic dinner on a garden on this tall building block. So it's very traditional sort of Superman, a lot of Superman's ideas, sort of uh, about sort of keeping secret identity to protect people closest to them, sort of have having a very boring daytime job. Grant is he's a he's a nanny and he's also working for uh, the love interest Lucy. So it's a very sort of by the books uh, story, and as a result, it does come across as slightly sort of unoriginal, I suppose. It doesn't seem to quite know who its target audience is. If its target audience is people who like Superman films, then they're just going to be feeling like, well, this is very sort of traditional, I know what this is. And if it's trying to target those who don't sort of know and love Superman films, then they're not particularly going to understand all the references. So it's very much sort of uh, an up and down sort of scenario as to what, who is exactly is it trying to appeal to. That being said, I don't think it's bad. Uh, very much this is a story which has been told before I suppose as, as I was saying and as a result it's sort of it's it's a worn story but it's a worn good story so I don't I don't think this is a failure of an episode I just think it just isn't anything particularly special it's just very by the books one of the things that also struck me was what exactly Peter Crowley's doctor is doing in this episode other than giving the superhero his powers he very much feels sort of added on and sort of not sort of really relevant to the story he sort of he comes in and out and often it's focusing on grant and lucy and the doctor's feels a little sort of playing third fiddle in a story which is 
should be, I suppose, about him. Other than sort of uh, giving uh, Grant the red gemstone, which gives him superpowers, he doesn't seem to have much relevance to the story. And yes, he sort of crashes a ship towards the Earth, but he, but it's again, it's Grant who ultimately saves the day, and the Doctor just is like, yeah, the Doctor feels very much uh, as a supporting role. Various characteristics of the Doctor are quite odd. Uh, he's very light-hearted and whimsical in this episode. He's very sort of uh, quipping and a bit unlike what we see, what we start off with Twelfth Doctor, but more like what we got in Series Nine. I'm not quite sure whether I like this new version because in many ways it feels like feels much more like Matt Smith's version and it feels like like the writing is sort of is very much samey and he hasn't and it doesn't feel like Moffat's got a very distinct version of Twelfth Doctor which he did have in series eight, albeit it felt very Sherlocky that scenario. So again Capaldi seems to be seems does a very good job with being given very little sort of of real substance to do it feels. Not all uh, who was a supporting character. Uh, I, I think he does a, he does a fine job with what he's given. Again, I'm not particularly enthralled with a role. It's a very sort of comic relief role, but he has that one nice moment towards the end, and he he does all right with it. Speaking of supporting characters, the actor who played the superhero did a nice job of having some of the Toby Maguire, Peter Parker, and also the Chris Reeve Superman, and it all sort of came together quite nicely. It's a very sort of good generic superhero I suppose he doesn't feel very distinct he doesn't he feels again very much like an archetype of someone else but at the same time that's sort of that's that's all right I suppose in sense uh, that's what he's trying to be he is meant to just be very generic because it's a, inspired by a young boys just been reading comic books the way he gets his powers felt a little contrived if also uh, in Stephen Moffat's era of Doctor Who, we've got very much a suspended belief where ridiculous things happen, where if you swallow a small red gemstone, you'll get all your superpowers, which is a little weird, and especially as the Doctor sort of mocks sort of, uh, the Spider-Man superhero origin, then this feels just as ridiculous, I suppose. So it's it's interesting in that aspect. It's not sort of... In one sense, it tries a parody of superhero genre, but at the same time just plays completely along with the rules, so therefore isn't really a, a parody. So other supporting characters, the villains felt very sort of generic and evil and snarling. They didn't feel like they had much to them. The reporter was much, very much sort of a very basic Lois Lane with, with sort of the added element of the child, but there wasn't really much else as to it. The the effects were good, the flying was, was, was pretty good. Uh, the, the, the brain effects are pretty horrible, uh, especially where sort of they rip open the heads and sort of there's a, an alien brain in there and with weird eyes and everything. But that was something we saw a year ago in the, in the Husbands of River song uh, story and that very much sort of carried on here. This is very much the sequel to that story with Nardole and with the villain, the same villain showing up again. One thing I did feel slightly odd was the fact that Doctor been missing for 24 years because that that's I understand why they said that because he's been with River Song. But at the same time, it's sort of, well, hang on a moment, he's a time traveller, and we already saw him in the 90s seeing Young Grant, so that that didn't really sort of add up. Uh, Logan Hoffman, who plays Young Grant, does a pretty good job. Uh, it's very hard as a child actor to be convincing, and he, he would uh, sort of very much sort of convinced that I was a person, not just a kid saying words someone had told him to say. Also, in regards to Nadal, it seems a little weird to 
see that sort of he'd just been reconnected to his body without any explanation. But then again, most people wouldn't have been really sort of familiar with the character or remember him from last year's Christmas special. So I suppose uh, Moffat would have relied on sort of not that people knowing or caring, I suppose very much like Strax from uh, the, the Paternoster gang. It was also nice to see sort of Doctor uh, seeking to uh, read, undo his sort of the, the time paradoxes created in sort of Manhattan by his previous visits and things like the Angels Take Manhattan and the Dalek episode, I assume. Uh, obviously, this means that he couldn't go back in time to save Amy and Rory because of them. So it's nice to see that now he's sort of at least trying to sort of smooth out everything and be a hero again. Another thing I found a little odd about the Christmas special was the Doctor's uh, compulsive lying disorder. It, it, it's obviously a long time since John Pertwee in the 70s sang a song about the Doctor wielding the sword of truth, and this is very much sort of, the modern is very much apart from that, and particularly in Moffat's era, it's rule number one, the Doctor lies. I'm pretty disappointed in that. I think it's better to have a hero who at least tries to tell the truth when he can, rather than just lying at everything. But, uh, that's uh, the direction I'm offered to see what to take, so that's what we, we had to live with. Obviously, uh, rating-wise, this least watch Christmas specials, though, more than last year, which was, uh, I suppose, an improvement, but it is very much uh, viewing figures have dropped during a capacity's era. That's what we think we have to think about going forward. Uh, the critical view, I suppose, has been mixed to positive. It Most of the people were just saying, well, it's sort of... Uh, it's a bit of a romp, it's a bit of a panto, it's a bit of sort of a doctor in New York, cosmic baddies and superheroes. So it's it's been regarded as a very sort of a lightweight sort of film. I know that Tom, Tom Spilsbury, I believe his name is, of uh, Doctor Who magazine, really enjoyed it. And also the other guy who reviewed in Doctor Who magazine, I can't remember what his name is, he was also very positive. So overall, this has a, a, quite a positive response from critics. So I have seen sort of fan reviews be more mixed on, has been more mixed. So on the whole, this felt very sort of basic. It felt very sort of simplistic. It, I don't again. I don't think it was really bad, but it wasn't sort of anything special either. It was it was very sort of straightforward. Uh, so I, I suppose to use our podcast's system to explain to those to explain to new listeners, this is basically where we equate a, a film or a TV show or anything like that to a particular type of drink. And uh, but hence the title podcast, tea or coffee. I, I think in this case it feels like sort of uh, a concentrated apple juice that you might have for breakfast, where it's not sort of the nicest drink in the world, but it's but it's it's got quite a lot of sugar in it. And in the morning, sort of it's fine; it gets gets you through. So uh, that that's sort of what I, this feels like. It's sort of it, it got us through the year of 2016 without any other episodes of Doctor Who. It was quite sort of uh, energetic and sort of paying tribute to the superhero genre, but it didn't really have much else to it. So I suppose that's so I suppose that's very much what I, I, I would equate this episode to. Going forward into series 10, uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, saying farewell to Stephen Moffat. I think he's been a very good writer for most part, but I do feel that particularly in the Capaldi's era, he's gone downhill and it just doesn't feel... He feels like he's lost his spark, he's lost his sort of element of really being able to surprise and he's done sort of very sort of whimsical sort of stuff which I'd hope he would have moved away from particularly uh, with Capaldi's uh, more stern Doctor. Looking ahead in season 10 we obviously saw a trailer at the end of, of the special. I, I did like sort of a slightly different attitude that uh, the new companion Bill has and uh, some of the looking of the look of some of the episodes look really fascinating for the uh, uh, sort of the settings and sort of the space suits or the, actually I think they were underwater suits and some of the monster design, 
I'm uh, not particularly looking forward to the emoji monsters, whatever they are, but other than that, uh, they seem to be uh, some really, really good quality uh, designs, some quite nice uh, sort of ideas for episodes, hopefully. Uh, some great writers returning, uh, Jamie Matheson and Toby Whithouse particularly, uh, with Sarah Dolland and, and I think a new writer, Mike Barlett, I don't think he's written before. No, he hasn't. He's, I, believe, I believe the episode he's writing is called The Haunted Herb, so that'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, they're still filming now, and but we also we're looking forward to seeing David Suchet uh, appearing as the landlord in that episode, The Haunted Herb. So there's lots to look forward to this season. Uh, I don't, I don't think Joe will be up for talking about it, but I might do another short episode like this one, just to at some point just to do a little overview. Uh, Pearl Mackey uh, is obviously starting a series as Bill Potts' new companion, and obviously Matt Lucas back as an adult. I'm not entirely up for that, but he was fine. He's I quite like the idea of Doc having a valet, even if he is sort of slightly sort of overly comic relief. Uh, it'll be fine, I suppose. I look forward to, obviously, Chris Chibnall taking over next year, and uh, it'll be interesting to see sort of what, what different tone and what different sort of outlook he brings to the series. So that should just about do it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this much shorter episode. Uh, Joe will hopefully be back next week. Uh, this is probably a day late, and it should be. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, and and do remember to uh, give a like if you're on YouTube, subscribe, and hope we've had trouble getting this on iTunes, but hopefully we'll get on there soon. And uh, please do subscribe now. Bye.